Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Listen, we stuff this podcast with ads like Jonathan Sullivan used to stuff his face with hot dogs during the pregame for Saints games. If you don't like the ads, sign up and become a patron today. Patrons get access to this podcast ad-free. No ads Ever. And they get the Booze Bundle Welcome Box, four swag items, amazing, and a Saints player card, and you get access to the Discord channel. Why wouldn't you do it? It's 10 bucks. You're practically making money. So do it today. Go to SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up to become a patron. That's SaintsHappyHour.com. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints Happy Cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful. All right, everybody, welcome to a special edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. It's playoff week with the Saints in Tampa. So me and Andrew, behind the scenes, we were talking about guests that we're going to have. And we're like, we need this. We know we need to have Dave Mason from Bet Online to talk gambling. We need to have Zach Streif to, to really preview the game and talk nonsense. And I said to Andrew, I said, Andrew, I need somebody that can talk Tampa Bay and just that, that hates them, slanders them, thinks their are thinks Bruce Arians is terrible, kind of hates their organization, and I need that slander injected into my veins, and I want somebody fun. And, Andrew, you said what? You said get Jameis one of one back on the yeah, show. Yeah, well, I also missed it last time you guys had him on, and I felt guilty about that because I slandered him on a podcast uh, before we had him on, and then I w- wasn't even here to defend myself or apologize to him. So I'm glad that, you know, he has a chance to – talk to me now on this podcast and, and give so one of one thanks for joining us um I, I know and i want to say this this is really interesting in that going into tampa bay when they hired arians me and andrew were like arians he's a good coach he wanted arizona and i remember finding you on twitter when the saints signed Jameis winston and i remember you were like arians is bad and you like laid it out and laid all these things out and i was like i don't know i don't i don't think that's true and I know Tampa went 11-5. They're playing in the playoffs. But I got to say, you convinced me, like, I am not sold on Arians that, that he is a good coach. I just think he falls into these places with above-average talent and doesn't mess it up. Like, I kind of low-key hate him now. Like, I don't think he's a good coach. He throws people under the bus. Like, what is the attitude for him around Tampa, Bay, around Tampa a team that you know well? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say Bruce is a bad coach. He, he's been a coach of the year. You know, he's got a ring as an assistant, of course, not as a, as a head coach like Sean Payton does. Um, Bruce's main issue is his ego. And, you know, his own family has come after me, you know, on Twitter and things of that nature. 
Um, and Bruce, you know, he, he could, if he wanted, he could engage, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to. And, and I've said many times, you know, I, I love Bruce. I love his family. Um, I'm an Orthodox Christian theologian. That's just how I am with everybody. But Bruce Arians is the Mike D'Antoni of NFL coaches. I mean, that, that's really sort of the perfect comp. It, you know, it's in a different sport, but that's what he is. He's a guy that, you know, you hire to sort of inject a little fun and, you know, bring his, his swag, his persona, stuff like that to your, to your organization, to the media. Um, but, of course, he hasn't won, you know, as a head coach as far as the, as the ring goes. And his teams generally, you know, they turn the ball over a ton. Um, John Ledyard, he's a, he's a guy in Tampa now. He's with, uh, I think it's Pewter Report. Um, you know, and he was big on Arians, and now he's even admitted. Because I said before the season started, when they, when they got Brady, I predicted basically the season exactly how it would go. I laid out the advanced metrics, what would change in comparison from Brady to Jameis. Um, you know, I said they'd go 11-5 and five and earn a wild card spot. And the whole season kind of progressed exactly the way that I thought it would. And the advanced metrics look now, if you go to, like, next gen and, and pro football reference, exactly as I said they would. Um, and Ledyard even admitted recently that the offense changed. When Brady came in, they, they did not run the offense this year that they ran with Jameis last year. You know, they recognized Bruce knew it, Byron Leftwich knew it, Clyde Christensen, the quarterback's coach, knew it. Um, Leftwich and Christensen were both in Jameis's camp. They both wanted him to return. They knew that Brady could not do what Jameis did, and you couldn't ask him to do what Jameis did. He, he's, his arm's fine, you know, but he doesn't have Jameis's arm. He's not going to make the same throws consistently that Jameis makes. His athleticism, obviously, it's not it's non-existent, and there's a lot more checkdowns this year. The the yards per attempt and things of that nature, IAY, CAY, all those things, they're down quite a bit. Um, I'll have a stat coming out in a little bit, probably a few days or so after Tampa season end. But when you look at things like you know intended air yards per pass attempt, you know Jameis was 14% higher than Brady this year. Air yards to the sticks, Jameis was 280% higher. You know. <laughs> But when you look at the run game, Tampa's getting 18% more yards per game in run support outside the quarterback and 25% better yard per attempt. So their team has changed a lot in 2020 from 2019 based on what they're doing around Brady because they're not asking him to just carry the offense. So Bruce has changed this year. I would actually say that this is one of his better coaching jobs because he's he's adapted. I think he finally realized my system – It doesn't work it's it's not going to bring a super bowl to anybody i think he kind of realized he was the mike d'antoni of the nfl <laughs> and and he is um and that's not even really an insult because even d'antoni is a, is a decent coach in the nba it's just he's looked at as a guy not to not to get you a ring but sort of to just inject you know fun and excitement into your organization but um that's how i look at arians as a coach like a mike d'antoni and then as far as personality wise he's a diva you know, he Bruce Arians is about Bruce Arians. He will throw any player under the bus to protect himself. Um, you know, I've, I've talked with guys that were on the Cardinals um, when Bruce was there, and they know it, and some of the Bucks know it. And, well, a lot of the Bucks know it. Um, so that, that's who Bruce is, but, you know, he wants to get in the Hall of Fame like most coaches. And um, if he can get a ring, you know, he's got a he's claim. I mean, he's been, like I said, he's been a coach of the year. If he can get himself a ring, he's got a shot at, at making a Hall of Fame case. Uh, I don't see that happening this year, but you never know. Let me ask you this. So let's say Jameis would have stayed in Tampa, but everything else, the personnel they got, 
the defensive support, the run support, the change in the offense. I, I know you're big on advanced metrics with, with, I mean, some stuff that I don't even understand in terms of uh, evaluating passers. Where do you think uh, Tampa sits this year in terms of record had Jameis stayed and, and everything else been the same as this year? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting hypothetical. I, I will say, you know, I don't think that Gronk would have came for Jameis. I, I think, sure. you know, Gronk would only come for Brady. Um, same with A.B., now, I do think they probably still would have landed Fournette. Um, they realized last year that, you know, they needed run support. Ronald Jones was... There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. In the doghouse last year, which was stupid because he was infinitely more talented than Peyton Barber. You know, and yet that was Jameis' starting back. Peyton Barber, that's the guy who got the carries, and Ronald Jones was in Bruce Arians' doghouse, and it, it was terrible because they just had no run game at all. So I think they still probably would have landed Fournette. Um, I think they still would have drafted Tristan Wirfs. So a lot of their moves would have been the same. I just don't think they ever would have got Gronk or A.B. Um, but again, you know, the the curse of being talented. <laughs> and, you know, yes, Brady is, is in that GOAT conversation. Um, you know, I have him number two uh, behind Otto, and I have him as the Gatsby, the, you know, the greatest of the Super Bowl era. But I don't think anybody that, that evaluates quarterback talent or that knows the history of the game would probably put Brady even in the top 50 as far as just talents. He's not that guy. Um, he's definitely not that guy from an athletic profile, and he's not even that guy from an arm talent perspective. So the, the problem with Jameis was that Jason Light believed in him way too much. He, he drafted him out of Florida State to be a franchise savior, and he figured that you'd just hand him the ball and say, carry us, kid. Well, it, that doesn't work for anybody. How you know, much? Dan Marino, people, people think it worked for Marino, but I, I encourage people to go look at Marino's teams when he was young. They had an amazing defense. Everybody forgets about that. Yeah. They think it was just Marino and the Duper and, and Clayton. It wasn't. They had a great defense. Jameis had garbage for five yeah. years. My question to you is how much of Tampa, you know, because that's interesting as, as Tampa sort of they've evolved over the years, how much of it is Bruce Arians because Tom Brady – because he's got the nine Super Bowls and the six rings is where Arian sort of had to bend to Brady and sort of do what Brady wanted to do and help him out and do different things. Whereas with if Jameis would have stayed possibly with Arian's ego, he's like, you're Jameis. We're not changing, we're not changing anything, buddy. You ain't won nothing. This is my team, my system. And But Brady, he kind of had to like bend to Brady because 
people will people will will not blame Arian. Will not blame Brady if it fails. They'll blame Arians, right? So how much of that do you think was in was in play? They sort of they sort of bent to Brady's will and 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 helped him and did what he wanted to do more so because he's freaking Tom Brady and you have to do what he wants. Yeah, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's been fun for me seeing you know how the media has treated uh, the situation in Tampa this year because Tom is running it. Tom Brady is absolutely running Tampa. I still have connections inside that organization. He's running it. it. It's not Bruce Arians' show. It's Brady's show. He brought Gronk. He brought A.B. You know, he's calling the plays. I saw earlier in the year where people were just crushing Byron Leftwich, you know, and saying he's an idiot and this and that. And I, I, that drove me nuts because I don't care what play Byron sends in. Brady has the green light to change everything. So whatever play is being run, if the fans are flipping out saying that was a stupid play and blaming Leftwich, they're blaming the wrong person. Brady's the guy that has the green light for all of it. So, I mean, it is it literally is Tampa Bay. It, it's whatever Tommy wants. And it's been interesting to see just how Bruce himself has dealt with that because you can, you've sort of seen in some of the interviews he does, he's even taken some shots at Brady because I think he realized, okay, wait a minute, if this goes wrong, I'm actually going to get blamed this time. He threw him Last- under the bus hard after the first yeah, Saints yeah. game. He was like, those interceptions, we didn't see that in practice. I don't know what's going on. I was like, <laughs> I was like, did you just do that to Brady after the first week? You know, I mean, Andrew, did you, you you thought that too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was stunned. I was you know? stunned. I was like, how how does this how does this relationship go? They even asked Tom Brady about that. They were like, well, what are you uh, what are your thoughts on Brasarian saying this about you and he, he was just like, yeah, you know, new environment. You just got to get used to being around new people. You know, I look at the media one of one, and I see uh, people saying, if you know, if, if Tampa doesn't win the Super Bowl, it's a bust, it's a failure. But since you're around that organization, I'm curious what the people in the building or fans think. Because if I'm a Tampa fan, yeah, I want to win the Super Bowl. They haven't been relevant in 13 years. Last week was the first time they won a playoff game since the Super Bowl. So, like, like you said, it's Tom Brady. He's injected fun. They're a darling. They're a media team. They're getting all this attention. Like, are they looking at it as Super Bowl and bust? And if they don't win, they'll make changes. I mean, how how secure and sort of pleased with their season would they be if it ends Sunday? Like we hope it will. Yeah, I would say you know with Brady, he's obviously Super Bowl or bust every year. Um, Jason Light, the the general manager. Um, and again, Jason's a guy that liked me, you know, he, he went on personally on a barstool interview that I was giving, um, when it was, you know, it came out that I was Jason light, et cetera, et cetera. And he went on there personally while I was on there. Um, but he's blocked me on Twitter now. Like he, he doesn't like me anymore <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm kind of like over on the same side. Um, but okay. So I'll say Brady looks at this as super bowl or bust Arians does as well, but that plays into what I was saying before. Jason Light, though, it's a little different. Jason will do what needs to be done to protect his job. And I don't really mean that as an insult. There's a lot of general managers like that. In fact, probably most. You know, fans think that general managers make every move to win a Super Bowl. It, that's not the case Absolutely at all. Not. There's a lot that of general managers. You're 100% yeah, there's, right. Right. There's a lot of general managers that simply make the move that they feel is the safest and that will give them the most job security. Um, and if they think, you know, there's a move that could add two wins but could add three losses, a lot of times they won't make that move because they're, they're ba- they have families. They, they want to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not looking to lose a job and swing for the fences all the time. 
So Jason Light is a guy that, you know, he would let Jameis take bullets for him, and Jameis would do that. And the same with Bruce. And this is what I, what I had brought up earlier about Brady. You know, Bruce saw it all change quick right after that very first game. I, I, think, I think the people in Tampa <laughs> yeah. kind of realized, oh, we're still not in the Saints class. And Bruce realized real fast when the media got involved that, hey, I can't blame the quarterback anymore. Not really. I can't really get away with it. But yet he doesn't want to be blamed either. And Jameis, you know, I, I put this out there on Twitter, and this is where some of the family members got mad, et cetera. But Jameis was that guy that would willingly and, and really even happily, he, he's kind of weird like that. Like, he, he's happy to take the bullets for people. And Jameis would just happily take all the bullets for Bruce and all the bullets for Arians. He just kind of felt like that was his thing, and that's what he was supposed to do. That's the way his dad raised him, et cetera. Um, even Clyde Christensen, the quarterback's coach, talked about that in an interview and kind of laughed and said, you know, it's, it's wild the plays that Arians would send in and the things that he would ask Jameis to do, but Jameis would just never say no. Brady, though, is the exact opposite. <laughs> and, and, you know, Brady's going to do what Brady wants to do, and you're not going to really convince the media to turn on Brady when they can turn on Arians. And so the whole dynamic kind of changed. And so now I'm thinking, you know, Bruce is, is looking at this as kind of Super Bowl or bust, too, because – I'll also say that I think the Saints is the worst draw that Tampa could have hoped for, not just from a play perspective, not just that Tampa, that, that the Saints are a better team, but had the had the uh, the Rams lost and the Bucks gone up to Green Bay and got beat, I don't really think that that affects Arians at all. I don't think it affects his job security. None of that. The Packers are the number one seed. It's not a big deal. But if they go to Tampa, I mean, I'm sorry, if they go to uh, to New Orleans and they lose for the third time in one year, everybody inside that organization, and especially Tom Brady, is going to look at Bruce Arians like, dude, you're the problem. You don't match up with Sean Payton. You're the weak link. And it wouldn't shock me if the Bucks lose, if Brady goes to the Glazers and says, I want Josh McDaniels in here. Ooh. I don't believe that this guy, I don't believe he can get over the Sean Payton hump. See, see, well, that's let's spicy. Talk about, I like oh, that. Yeah, that is spicy. That's, yeah, I, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, one of one, you look at so many different passer metrics, just high level. And I know football is obviously so much more than just uh, the quarterbacks, but it is a quarterback league. We've got two guys over 40 this Sunday, Brady versus Breeze. Can you kind of just quickly assess for us the level of play of each passer right now and which one you think is better? Yeah, well, it, it's, a, it's an interesting comparison because they're just they're so incredibly different. You know, the, the way that they go about beating you, it, it, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a point guard in basketball that just backs everybody down like an old Mark Jackson or, or Gary Payton, you know, compared to a Steph Curry that's going to bomb threes on you. You know, Breeze, it, it's, it's all mental. You know, everything is, is quick reads, intelligence. Brady does actually still rely on his arm quite a bit. Um, you know, he won't take a lot of the risks, say, that a guy like Jameis would, but he still relies on his arm a lot more than what Drew Breeze does. Um, so as far as, like, who's better, it's obvious, like, when you watch the two, Brady has the better arm. But I think Breeze has always been an amazing decision maker. I think he obviously understands the offense he's in still better than even what Brady's doing. Because while Brady's still, uh, I'm sorry, while Brady's trying to run his own plays all the time, <laughs> he's getting guys up to speed that aren't doing that. You know, they're, they're used to Arian's system more so than they are to Brady's. Um, so in this game, I definitely would take 
Breeze over Brady. I think Breeze will have a much better game in his system with his guys than Brady will. And if you look at their careers, you know, they've played seven times against each other in the NFL. Breeze is 5-2. and two. Uh, I think he has like an 18-touchdown-to-one-interception ratio where Brady's like nine touchdowns to 11 picks. I mean, it hasn't been mm-hmm. close. Breeze has been the far superior quarterback when they've matched up head-to-head. And then a lot of people will say, okay, yeah, but that's all regular season. In the playoffs, that's when Brady really shines through. No, it's not. Brady goes – I mean, Brady drops in the playoffs. If you look at, like, his, his career regular season passer rating to playoffs and some of the other metrics, his game declines in the playoffs. Breeze is the exact opposite. Breeze's passer rating jumps up in the playoffs. And when you just compare the two quarterbacks, in basically every advanced metric you can find, Breeze bests Brady in career playoff numbers. Passer rating, completion percentage, touchdown percentage, interception percentage, yard per attempt, AYA, YA, YC, YG, NYA, NEA, all of it. Breeze best Brady in like everything that you can find hmm. in career playoff numbers. Just and yet, play, you know, you, you tell that to people and their response, is, their response is simply, well, Brady's got six Super Bowl rings. Yeah, okay, he's, he's on a team. It's a team sport. Just to play devil's advocate, uh, how much do you think of a difference it makes playing in the Superdome during the playoffs versus playing in, in Boston in January at home? I think it would have a lot to do with, like, how many attempts you're, you're asked to throw by your coach. I don't necessarily know that it would change, um, you know, for example, yards per completion, yards per attempt, NYA, NEA, stuff like that. Some of the advanced metrics, I don't think it's really going to have that big of an effect on. I think it would have an effect on just your counting stats, your attempts, your yards, stuff like that. But when you're talking about advanced metrics, a lot of times weather doesn't play into it all that much like it does with counting stats. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Is Brady. With Tampa's weapons that they have, it still seems to me, one of one, that Brady, he is a guy now where he basically turns into like Blake Bortles if you get even a modicum of pressure on him. Like it is, it is start like the the splits where you get pressure on him and you don't. And I know, look, any quarterback, you don't get pressure on him. Any quarterback worth their salt is going to perform at a incredibly high level. Level, but most quarterbacks that are elite, like you got to put pressure on them consistently. It's got to be twenty, thirty, forty percent pressure before they fall apart. Brady, you get pressure on him like twenty percent of the time, twenty five percent of the time. He falls apart and part and becomes Blake Bortles. Uh, why, when what you've seen, why do you think that is with him? What, what what makes him? Is it age? Is it like because you said his arm's still good? So what made what's made him f- become just a, a pumpkin when he gets when he gets even a little bit of pressure on him? Yeah, I, I would say actually um, that's sort of an insult to the great Blake Bortles there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, because 
some athleticism. He can escape some pressure. But you're right. Uh, Brady crumbles under pressure, and it's not just what people are seeing in Tampa. I think a lot of people are paying more attention to him in Tampa because his stats are up and he's got these great receivers. But last year in 2019, he had the worst completion percentage under pressure in the entire NFL. The, the next worst was Jacoby Brissett. Then you're talking about guys like Kyle Allen. Ooh. Like Tom Brady's at 36%. 36%. And the next worst was Jacoby Brissett at 40.3, which is actually a big jump from 36. So Brady's been terrible under pressure for a while now. Um, and I do think a lot of it is age. I think a lot of it is, is him prolonging his career. Um, you know, I, I always considered it kind of one of the, the Manning boys' greatest strengths was that when they were about to get sacked, they would just drop like they were dead. And, they, you know, it allowed them to, <laughs> to prolong true. their career. And uh, Brady is kind of like that now, too. Where, but he'll also air mail balls out of bounds and things like that. Um, yeah, I think he hates, you know, inside pressure. Um, and with the Saints, they're one of the few teams that really can wreck Tampa's line. You know, Tampa Bay had a terrible line last year, but drafting Tristan Wirfs was a huge upgrade from DeMar Dotson. Huge. And bringing in um, Gronk as, as a blocking tight end and to chip block and stuff was huge for their offensive line. And yet, when they play the Saints, they get wrecked. And, I mean, you just – had Tom Brady not played the Saints this year and, and there had been a 14-game schedule, he very might have well have won MVP. You know, but against the Saints, he looked like garbage. Um, and, I, I mean, I don't expect that to change. It, it could. You know, Antonio is, is another weapon that you've got to worry about. I just think the Saints really match up well with them. You know, when you just look at the 11 guys the Saints can put on the field, no matter what package Tampa puts out there, they just match up really, really well. There's not, there's not a, a, an immediate weakness, and especially because you don't need to spy Brady. You don't need to really need to use a linebacker or safety to watch him. They've got an extra guy kind of because Tom's not going anywhere. He's, he's a statue in the pocket. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery 
starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Well, let's talk about this game. So, from a matchup perspective, and you know, one of one, obviously, we, we uh, as Saints fans, uh, it, it's hard to kind of separate what we believe just in terms of the X's and O's versus just the PTSD of the last three years and how the playoffs have ended for us. And uh, so, I think there's a, you know, I think R- Ralph a lot of times is just wrapped. It, it, the closer we get to the game, he becomes wrapped in a cocoon of of fear uh, based on what's happened. That is recently. accurate. That is yeah. accurate. But can you assess, like, from an outsider looking at these two teams and someone that has been really interested and watched a lot of these two teams over the last two years, can you tell us your opinion on this matchup and who you think is favored and who you like to win? I think the matchup favors New Orleans heavily. Um, I actually was kind of of surprised when the, the Vegas line came out there, Saints by three, which is really just a standard home field advantage for any team. So Vegas is basically saying they think these teams are even on a neutral field. I mean, what two games did they watch this year? You know, the Saints handled them in the first game. It was 34-23, but easily could have been, should have been 41-23 with that Kamara touchdown at the end that was kind of called back. And then the second game where Brady had a bunch of the season and he had his guys, Antonio played two, they got beat 38-3. to I mean, that, that was embarrassing, and it was kind of shocking. And so people are looking at, you know, Tampa's last five games, and they're saying, well, they must have flipped a switch. Really? They played the Falcons twice. You know, they played the, the, the Lions. Um, what's, they played another trash team. And then they got the Redskins, the easiest uh, draw in all the playoffs. So they played Minnesota. Nobody. They have, 
Yeah, Minnesota, there you go. So they haven't had a quality opponent in these five games where people think they flipped the switch. And I think that also sort of hurts Tampa because they are, they're talking. I mean, you see some of the comments that, that their players are making. They're, they're chirping. They feel good about where they're at, and they're, they're starting to, like, to feel dominant. But they beat up on five bad teams. And now all of a sudden they're playing what I consider the best top-to-bottom roster in the NFL, also with an elite coach. So I, it, it feels to me like you know Tampa's going to get smacked. Um, and, and I don't – I mean, you, you fellas know, and most people that follow me know, you know, I don't consider myself necessarily a team fan. I'm, I, just, I enjoy every game, and no matter the outcome. You know, I, I said this earlier to a Bucks guy. I was like, hey, if Tampa wins 52 to nothing, I'm not going to be mad. If Tampa loses 52 to nothing, I'm not going to be mad. I enjoy every game, and I, I just love to see the competition. But for, as an outsider, if I was betting, yeah, I'd bet heavy on the Saints. I, I don't know how you – I don't know anybody that wouldn't. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. There's nothing that we've seen to make anybody think that Tampa's going to win this game. Nothing. If they do, um, man, I mean, I'm going to feel terrible for Breeze because I think this for sure is his last year, whereas I think Brady will come back next year, and who knows, Brady might play a few more years. Um, I don't know. I, I just I don't see it. I, I don't see Tampa winning this game. Well, I hope you're right. I certainly, uh, you know, just uh, you, you're making me feel better. So I appreciate that. <laughs> me too. Uh, I like that. Yeah. So speaking of next year, uh, one of one, I want to ask you, and I don't know if you have internal information on this or if, if you're allowed to share it with us. Uh, but, you know, I go back to a play last week uh, where Taysom Hill, there, there was a shot play called and uh, it was kind of a microcosm of his whole season, really, at least when he had time playing quarterback and he, when he was a starter. You know, this is a, a shot play where he takes a snap. He has a nine-man box. Uh, Deontay Harris is running a fly, and it's just it, it's just a prototypical Taysom Hill play where you just feel like, man, you've got the one-on-one matchup. You've got to trust that Deontay Harris can beat any DB in a foot race. Just get rid of the football. Go, let your playmaker go make that play and, and just make the throw, and uh, there's no safety help there, and yet – he has to see it. And so he continues to climb the pocket, climb the pocket. And eventually Deontay Harris starts to get significant separation. And then he tries to throw it, but by then it's too late. He gets hit. There's the fumble and there's the turnover. So that, that to me is kind of, as I've watched Taysom Hill, I've grown more and more, I don't want to say convinced because people can improve and get changed, but I've become more and more uncomfortable with the idea that he's the starting quarterback next year. Um, Speaking of the offseason with Jameis, what are the odds of him coming back to New Orleans? And what do you think is going to how, – how is that all going to shake out this offseason? Um, I mean, I, I haven't changed really my tone on that at all. Um, two weeks before he signed with the Saints, uh, I did an interview, and I, I told the guy that, that was interviewing me, watch for the Saints. The Saints is the perfect spot. Um, Jameis signed with him two weeks later, and I've said since that day till now – Nothing that Sean Payton has done has upset me at all. I, I'm like, my, my level of trust and, and respect for Payton has done nothing but grown. And, and I like the guy even before Jameis signed there. Um, but people, you know, they'll DM me or they'll, they'll get a hold of me on Twitter and they'll say, you know, oh, well, Payton's this and this and this, and how, how can he do this to Jameis? And I said, you don't understand. You know, Jameis knew the situation going in. He knew that Taysom had been promised to start if Breeze got hurt. He Everything that was done, as far as Jameis signing, there was all with the eye on 2021. 
It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with 2020. Uh-huh. If Jameis wanted to put up numbers, he just would have signed with the Jags and started from, from day one and put up more numbers on a bad team. Jameis signed with the Saints, and it was all about 2021. So, yeah, I feel great about Jameis's future in New Orleans. I, I think he made a really wise decision signing with them over uh, the Jags and over the Steelers. Um, yeah, I know there's a there's another report that came out yesterday about how Belichick was all in and the Patriots and blah blah blah. But I'm not talking about that because we'll see where where Jameis ends up at the end of the year. But I feel great about New Orleans for Jameis. Um, you know, from everything that I know, he he's thrilled with everybody there, like everybody. So I, I have no worries about that. And as far as Taysom goes, you know, I think Sean, even the the Lock and Fora um, report on CBS, you know, about how Sean is excited to re-sign Jameis and bring Taysom back because he views Taysom more in that role. And that makes perfect sense. You know, Sean's not stupid. He's a, he's a genius. And I know people like Taysom. I like Taysom. I love watching him play. He's, he's, he's fun. I mean, he's a lot of fun to watch. No doubt. Yeah. But when you, when you look at his games and you, and you watch everything and you just think about him as a pure QB1, it doesn't really make any sense. It's yeah. He, you know, people call him the the Mormon Tebow or whatever. Well, no, he, he's better. He's a, he's like a souped up Tebow. You know, he's he's a better, pure passer. He has more you know passing talent. Um, but I did put out a tweet, you know, comparing the two, and Tebow had a, a four week start like Taysom did, um, in in 2017. You know, and he he totaled like 3,528 yards, 20 touchdowns, four picks, 16 fumbles. So you can say 20 touchdowns and 20 turnover plays. Taysom in his four games was at 3,336 passing yards, 32 total touchdowns, 32 total turnover plays with eight interceptions and 24 fumbles. So they actually compare quite a bit to each other. I think Taysom is just more athletic and has the better arm, so he can do more things. And to me, what Taysom proved this year is that he's a legit QB2, which you know Taysom fans will hear as an insult, but really everybody should hear that as a compliment because coming into this year, people looked at him around the league anyways, outside of New Orleans as a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they, they thought he was just uh, some weird experiment and then didn't belong, you know, and should never throw a pass. But Taysom proved he's an absolutely legit QB two that can fill in in a pinch and, and win games. And so that's I, magnificent. And, th- and then you combine that with everything else he does. He's worth that money. I know a lot of people are yeah. kind of, uh, you know, wigged out about the contract. He's worth it. I mean, you take a QB two, and then you also add in, say, like a, a tight end three and a running back three, and everything else he does. He's worth his money. And I and I and I said this to Andrew. I think the way that it's played out has worked out perfect for the long term future of the Saints. In a sense of, if Drew had played the whole year, maybe Sean is like, hey, Jameis. We're, we're going to give Taysom the first shot next year. Well, now they have this information. They have four games plus the playoff. It's just one throw, but it's it's a consistent thing with him where he doesn't make the he, he doesn't process fast enough and he doesn't make the throws right. This I think the Saints have enough information to where at the very least they're going to say Taysom, you can be part of the competition with Winston, but there's no way. Sean Payton is saying Taysom is my guy and he's handing him the keys and he's going to be the main quarterback in 2021. There's just no way because because that that would if Sean Payton did that he would be stupid and and you could say whatever you want about Sean Payton arrogant you know whatever he's not stupid so I, I, one of one I just think this this season like you said it has worked out as w- 
not maybe not as well as it. I mean, if if maybe if Free, if Freeze would have got hurt and Taysom would have been, Winston would be would be the starter now, and the Saints would be winning. Maybe that would have been a better scenario. But short of that, this season to me has gone splendidly for Jameis to where he's going to get a legitimate shot if he wants it with the Saints if they can work out the finances. I don't think he could have asked. I don't think he could have asked for anything better. And I don't think the Saint like the Saints to be on the verge of a quarterback transition. To be in the spot they're at, they could be a lot worse off in where they are in 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 the transition. So I I think I think Jameis I think the Saints are in, in a good spot, and I I'm I'm really I'm still very excited about Jameis. I was excited when I thought he was going to start. I st- I still think he's going to be it's going to be really interesting. And, and I'm going to say I'm going to be I'm going to be a little bit sad if if somebody swoops in and like offers him a ton of money that the Saints can't match, and he goes somewhere else. And which would which if you'd have told me that before the season started, I'd have been very surprised. But now if Jam- if if Jameis isn't part of the Saints in 2021. I, I'm going to admit I'm going to be a little bit sad. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think the the season went perfectly uh, for Jameis. I think the season also basically trans, uh, transpired perfectly for Sean Payton um, because he did get that extended look at at Taysom, which is that's the guy he needed the extended look at. You know, I ha- I've had a lot of people DM me and say, "Well, you know, how can the Saints? How can they go with Jameis? They haven't seen him." Really, they've had five, they, you got five years tape on Jameis. He's the reigning passing champ. Well, I mean, now the season's over. He was the 2019 passing champ. I mean, there's tons of tape on Jameis. You can put in, you know, his two games last year on a torn meniscus and broken hand where he throws back-to-back 450-yard, four-touchdown games, and they're both wins. I mean, Sean Payton didn't need to see Jameis at all. He needed to see Taysom. He needed to see Taysom be the guy in extended action, and he did. And I think it helped Taysom because, again, I think it, it justifies his contract for next year. It justified his value. It proves how valuable he is. I mean, there's, there's nobody else in the NFL that I can think of, um, and maybe ever outside of like a guy like Cordell Stewart, stuff like that, that is a legitimate QB2 that is also a legitimate you know, tight end three and all these other things Taysom can do. So he, he earned his money, not just for this year, but for next year. Um, and, yeah, from a Jameis perspective, I think it, it worked out perfectly. I don't think he was upset at all, you know, about anything that happened. You know, um, what you say, though, yeah, it, it is true. I mean, the the Saints have a, a very tricky salary cap situation, and there's a lot of teams that are that are out there that are probably going to just miss out. You know, like on this quarterback carousel, um, mm-hmm. there's only four guys that are that are legitimate first round prospects. You know, Mac Jones could sneak in, Kyle Trask could sneak in. I don't have either one of those guys as a first round prospect. I think both of them are, you know, actual backup level guys that that could start in the right situation. Um, but there's a ton of teams that are going to miss out on quarterbacks, and three of them are all in the AFC. And you know, the Patriots, who the the report came out, they're done with Cam. The uh, Colts, if Rivers retires as expected, and the Steelers, if Big Ben retires, which he very well might. Uh, I think that it, it could come where they're they're sort of ushering him out the door because they'll get $19 million uh, cap savings if he doesn't resign. And he'll get his $22.5 million regardless. So, and with his, with his boy Pouncey retiring, who they said they'd retire together, um, that could happen. So if those three teams, the Patriots, the Colts, the Steelers, all quality organizations, the Steelers wanted Jameis last offseason. He chose New Orleans instead. But if those three teams are all in the market for a quarterback, none of them have a high enough pick to get a starter in the draft. And Plus Chicago. Ooh, 
who's out there? You know, who's out there? Mitch Trubisky, that's, that's <laughs> going to be the cream of the free agent quarterback crop. Are you kidding me? So if all three of them come calling for Jameis, then he has a decision to make. But um, I would love to see him stay with the Saints. I'd love to see him stay with Sean Payton. Um, you know, I think there's there's even like a spiritual connection there, if, if, if I can say that, um, just between how Breeze got there, you know, kind of being cast off from his first team in an injury and, you know, having surgery in the same center that Jameis was in, all that stuff. I, I just I think it's a perfect spot. So I, I'd be thrilled if, if Jameis stays in, in New Orleans long term. Give us a percentage chance Jameis returns in black and gold next year. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not God, so whatever I say, take it with a grain of salt. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll say – I'll say seventy percent, and, and Ooh, it would it would be higher. Like it's just that. that the it's just that the the, the salary cap situation is yeah. is sticky. I mean, I, I trust yeah. Mickey Loomis. I think he's a genius. So, you know, we'll see what he can do with that. But when you look at it, just you know, from from afar, you just look at the numbers. It's kind of shocking. You know, like you see how how far they are over the cap. You're like, wow, what are they going to do? Yeah, yeah. So one of one, give us a score, and then we'll get out of here. For the game Sunday. <laughs> um, all right. I, I will say uh, I'll say 34-20, Saints. Speak it into existence. <laughs> so, one of one, tell the people how they can find you on Twitter. I love following you because you just go at people in a nice way. Uh, but but tell the people how they can find you on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, at Jameis, one of one. So, J-A-M-E-I-S. The number one, OF, the number one. And um, my, my book's on Amazon and the ebooks pretty much everywhere. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fun follow, and I get into it with a lot of media and a lot of fans. <laughs> well, guys, follow him on Twitter. And the way he talked now, it looks like we're going to have a great one. We're going to have the Saints win on Sunday, and we're going to have him back because Jameis is going to be a part of the 21, 2021 Saints. Jameis, one of one, thanks for joining us. Guys, thanks for joining us. We will see you again tomorrow.